Everybody stand turn to 292. I am living now in Canaan where the fruit so richly grows, where the saints are all rejoicing, where the milk and honey flows. Hallelujah, glory, glory. In my heart, the love light grows. Sometimes you don't feel like traveling, but you are to always feel like praising the Lord. So that's how we're going to sing that tonight. I feel like praising the Lord. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like praising the Lord. Nor pain nor death can hinder. Devour or way 
56 right now and then see how it goes, praise God. I'm glad for God's grace. <laughs> there is joy divine that is ever mine since the Lord has forgiven me and I work and sing for my blessed King. By His grace I have been made free. Keeping me there. 
Amen. Do you remember? Amen. Brother Phil, I know you just got done, but tell us about when you got saved. Well, it's July the 11th, 1976. <laughs> God, the Holy Ghost, found out where Oak Ridge Highway was at. Come on. He come down Oak Ridge Highway and turn left up in the driveway. He come in the back bedroom back there where an old 24-year-old law center was laying down. He had to wake me up. He said, son, you are lost on your way to hell. God, please forgive me. Got saved that night. Been saved ever since. Sometimes I feel like living. Hey, man. Hey, man. I don't think this is out of place, but Brother Phil, you say you feel like running, right? Oh, yeah. Brother Lamanche, you said you feel like running today, right? I need a designated runner. I need two designated runners. Who's going to do it? Nick, you get to be one, and Kurt, you get to be one. Y'all both feel like running? Yes. Hit the road, Jack. Go ahead and run. Hey, man. Enjoy it, man. in the graveyard. Hey, he got saved in the graveyard too, didn't he? Hey, man. Hey, man. Brother Phil and Brother LeMay has been waiting all week to do that. Didn't it feel good? Hey, man. They gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> Anybody else want to go? Go ahead. It ain't going to bother me a bit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Oh, Brother John came in worshiping. Yeah. Stand up, Brother John. Stand up for me. He come in worshiping. Tears yeah. dripping in the grass out there. Brother David, he told me I'd like to see God do it one more time here. <laughs> we done had a worship service out there in the grass. Thank Amen. God. Amen. We might need to get him a designated runner here in a little bit. Amen. Hallelujah. Samuel, you're it. Amen. 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 He running for you, brother. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all are lucky I'm left-eyed dominant. Otherwise, some of y'all would have got picked. Amen. Brother Joe. Brother, Amen. All right. Let's all stand right quick like and sing a chorus of that together. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who's when he takes me by the Sing it, church. What a day. 
think we all know this verse. There'll be no sorrows there. No more burdens to bear. No sickness. No sickness. No pain. No more parting. And forever I'm going to be and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day. church what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the Yeah. 
Yesterday, um, during our morning service, the Lord kept kind of impressing me, or at least placing him on my heart, Brother Josh. Then, last night after service, felt that same impression that Brother Josh uh, may have something for us. And uh, then today, this morning, the same thing. And so we're going to kind of break from the tradition, and uh, we're going to let Brother Josh preach tonight. And uh, I want you to pray for him. I've known him for several years, met him, Brother Reese, at your church. But I've never heard him preach. I've always heard him sing. Uh, but this is not a popularity contest. This is doing what God wants to do. Amen. And so I want us to pray for the man of God tonight. And uh, we'll just follow the Lord, preacher. So you, you just say on whatever God lays on your heart. Well, if you love the Lord, say amen. I'm very honored. I uh, love to sing. Love to sing from a little boy. Used to stand on the fireplace and sing. And uh, I was a young teenage boy. The Lord placed on my life a call to preach. And I love to sing, but I really love to preach. And uh, we go to a lot of meetings where we sing and preach and do both. And we go to a lot of meetings where we just sing. And somebody said to me one time, he said, Brother Josh, you get upset when people just call you to sing. I said, well, Lord, no. Well, you don't get mad when they don't ask you to preach? I said, no. I said, but Lord, I was reading in Romans, in Romans chapter 1, he said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, you take Paul's name out and put Josh's name in, and uh, you'll learn to be a servant in due time. I'll let you do the desires of your heart. And uh, I'm not here today to uh, try to win first place. There's a whole lot heavy hitters in here than myself, but uh, I'm very honored to stand in this pulpit. Brother Dean is very much one of my spiritual heroes. He's God's man, and uh, I thank God for him. 
And I thank God for Brother Reese Key, amen, and a student of the Word and got to meet several preachers, but I'm honored to be here tonight. Uh, Of course, nervous standing in a place like this, but um, I want to say to you at the church, thank you for this meeting. Have no idea. Went through two weeks of hard dishing out. That's all right. That's the way it's supposed to be. All these boys on social media and Facebook acting like the ministry is just this little happy-go-lucky life and uh, everything's going to go smoothly and if people don't treat you right, don't go back and if people don't give you a good offering, don't go back to them. I heard one of them guys say one time, he said, I went to one of them churches and they only gave me $200 for a Sunday. He said, I put him on the do not book back list. And uh, boy... I, uh, <laughs> I'm honored to do anything for God. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, but I'm just telling you, we went through two weeks of hard. I'm talking about singing it was hard, preaching it was hard. I was like David. I was looking for somebody to call on to pray and I was going to be like David. And if I had wings like a dove, I'd fly far, far away from there. I was looking for somebody to pray long enough. I was trying to get Amber's attention. And I kept pointing like this, like, y'all go first. And when I call on him to pray, I'm going to come second. We're going to leave. Amen. And uh, But it's like that sometimes. And, boy, we kept plowing through. And, boy, I was trying to do it in my own strength, trying to think of everything I could do, not in a bad way, not like I had it under control, but that I wanted God to do something in that place with a young pastor and those people. And, boy, went in there Wednesday night and, uh, some things that Brother Dean has taught me in church and the Holy Ghost. I'm not trying to uplift a man, but God uses men. And Brother Dean taught us, he said, sometimes it just takes hard preaching. And don't look at them in the face. I ain't talking about ugly. I ain't talking about unscriptural. I ain't talking about naming your petty thing that bothers you. I'm talking about preaching the Word of God. And so I was preaching and all of a sudden, son, the plow sank. And I tried unhooking from it. And the Lord wouldn't let me. And so I preached. Got finished, and boy, God was stepped in the back door, and a lady stood up in the back and got to repenting, and boy, the Lord just broke through. And but it's such a refreshing, it's such a, it's such a, uh, a blessing to come into a place where hot oil has been running through, and uh, you have no idea. The Lord blessed us today, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm gonna say thank you to the church. We got new tires on our car today. God's been so faithful to us, our family. Noah said it yesterday, but he's done everything you said he'd do. That he's done more. And uh, God's good. And uh, God's faithful. Walked out of a electrical engineering job in Baton Rouge when I was just a young man. And I said, God, I, you want me to go with you and I'm going to do it. I'm going to sell out. And me and Miss Amber had a five-bedroom, three-bath house. And uh, we thought we was living on high cotton. She grew up in the ministry. And, and boy, some of the years they ate was only because her uncle managed a grocery store. They got all the dented cans. And if you show Amber green beans or beef raviolis today, she don't want no part of that. Amen. Chef Boyardee must have made thin cans because that's all they ate. And uh, But long story short, she grew up. And boy, I thought, Lord, I'd like to give her a little better life. How foolish of me. 
The Lord says she had a whole lot better life doing that than she does with you. God, we went off, and the devil told me, I'll never forget, I walked in that job and laid the keys to my company truck on my desk. I walked out, and the devil said, you'll never have nothing. I went home, and <laughs> my house may not look like a castle. And my clothes may be lacking in style. And if you come and sit at my table, a meager supply you might find. But oh, it's not what you see that makes me a king, makes me a king. To me, I've God's been faithful to us. God's rewarded us. We've had to pay a little price. God reward us. The year of COVID, we was living in our camper, come home from the Philippines, and I'm just going to try to mind the Lord, preacher. I don't know what else to do. And uh, on 2020, had 17 weeks canceled in two days when all that pandemic hit. The Lord showed me during that time I was running hard because the meetings were just coming in. I, I thought every meeting had come in, I was supposed to say yes. And, uh, boy, I ran to my family hard. Older preacher told me one night, he said, Preacher, I want to talk to you. I said, Yes, sir. He said, I'm walking down to the lake. We were staying in a little cabin on a preacher's place and he said, Brother Josh, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, um, he said, I put the ministry before my family. He said, and everybody thought it was my wife's fault that she ran off with somebody else. He said, but he said, I put the ministry before them. He said, it's my fault I lost my family. He said, I see you're a young man. He said, I know you love people. He said, I know you love the men of God and you love the ministry. And you love God. He said, but I want you to know something. He said, your family comes first. He said, I appreciate you coming down here and serving the men of God and, and doing all these things. He said, but you got a little wife and them little three babies at the church and the camper. He said, you don't forget about them. Well, I left and honestly, I thought, okay, that's a blessing. I knew those things. But boy, in weeks to come, boy, God began to plant that deep in my heart. And I began to pray. We was living in a camper, and God's been so faithful. It's all God's timing. I was living in a camper, and I was preaching in North Mississippi and not even looked that area. I had looked in North Georgia area, something to be centrally located. You go down to Louisiana, you're going there for a reason. There ain't nothing close to Louisiana. 
And uh, so anyway, long story short, I was preaching up there and a brother said, uh, I'd been counseling with this pastor about, he was praying about taking another church and an older man of God was stepping down. And long story short, that church called him and um, we went to their house and we sat in their living room and he said, uh, Brother Josh, he said, um, me and my wife want you and Miss Amber to have our home. He said, now this is how much we owe. He said, if you can't pay it, we're going to pay it. He said, God wants you to have it. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. He said, well, you want to walk? You want to take a walk through it? We'd only ever been in the living room. So we walked down the hall, and there's three bedrooms down there. Each bedroom had a little walk-in closet. I noticed tears begin to dwell up in Amber's eyes. And we walked back through the living room and walked in the master suite. And we turned the corner, and we walked in the master bathroom, and there was a big jacuzzi tub in the corner turn to the left and there's a six by ten walk-in closet got in the car to leave and before i even made it in the driveway the holy ghost said this is y'all's it's just a double wide trailer some people call it trailer trash i tell them we was living in an angle wide amen a camper's a single wide with the s knocked off of it and um, I told the brother we would take it and God has been so gracious. In just a short time, we sold everything when we went with God. Back in 2007, we told God, we're going to go with you. <laughs> Where you lead, I will follow. <laughs> and uh, God's give us back things. And this year we celebrate 16 years in full-time ministry. It's not long. I know many of y'all have been quadruple that. But for us, it's big. God's begin to give back. And so I want to say this to some of you young people. You can't expect to have everything these men of God have labored for. Expect to get it overnight, Brother Kirk. Sometimes it takes some plowing, some rough times, some hard times. And uh, right now we've got the nicest vehicle we've ever owned. Might go back to a doodle bug tomorrow. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, it takes time sometimes. And I bless the Lord for being faithful to us. Turning your Bibles to Psalms chapter 78, Psalm 78. I'm so nervous. I, I won't, don't want to miss God. And, uh, but God's been faithful to our family and, and, uh, y'all pray for us. Brother James has given us permission and I appreciate, I mean this. I appreciate Brother James spirit. And I want to say this to the church. I appreciate you letting your pastor love on people that come in. I mean that. You don't understand. I was just at a place a couple of weeks ago where a little preacher was so bound down they didn't take us to lunch on Sunday. And that's okay, but it's just out of the normal. It's just out of the normal. It's not that we expect it. It's just out of the normal. Brother Reese, Sunday night, he didn't. And so Monday, I was just talking and I said, Preacher, if you want a fellowship. And, and I learned that they were about starving the preacher out. They were starving him out. They wouldn't let him give. And, and uh, what happened was somebody was just in control of the money. Probably stealing it. Yeah. That's not your money. It's not his money. It's God's money. And God didn't put him here to be in charge. He put him here to make sure you're not in charge. <laughs> He's following the Lord. But it's a blessing to be in a place. It's a blessing. We don't expect it. It's not every week for those that think the evangelist life is just all roses. And <laughs> No, it's not every week, but I appreciate you as a church. That's why we feel a little bit of what we're feeling this week. 
Could you allow the man of God to to invest in the people of God? And y'all done sent a missionary to a dentist today, sent an evangelist to a tire shop, fed a whole bunch of preachers. God's interested in those things. And I want to say to you as a church, thank you for letting your preacher love on us. But I love your preacher's spirit. I do. And I appreciate him and his wife. I appreciate his wife being in the background. Wiping tables. And I know other women are doing it. I'm just saying, I appreciate her. And I appreciate God rewarding her with that little offering this week. And uh, you have no idea. It's refreshing to come into a place that's doing it right. I know y'all ain't perfect, but you're doing it right. And boy, I'm just honored. I mean that. I'm honored. I'm thankful. (laughs) I'm about to holler for a designated runner. I mean it. I, you have no idea how dry I was when I came in here. I told Amber about three days before we got here. I'm telling you, I told her, I said, I'm, I'm sinking in a hole. I don't know what's wrong. I'm, I'm going off in a dark, deep place, Brother Reese. I'm starting not to see the light at the top of the tunnel. We walked in here and that brother got to singing up here and Amber said, stop dancing. I was bopping around, boy. I was feeling good. And I thank God for a place that we can come to and rest a while. Place we can stop by and get a drink of water. <laughs> Whoa, I bless the Lord. I thank God for it. Amen. Oh, yeah, I bless the Lord for a place like this. You have no idea. And I want to say this to every other preacher here. God can do it at your place too. Every place is different. Every place is unique. But God wants to do these things. And uh, He will do these things. And I bless the Lord. Psalm 78. I, Lord, give me direction. Lord, I don't want to miss you tonight. Lord, if you want me to sit down, I'll do it right now. Lord, I've been here when I wasn't supposed to be here, God. And I, I've tried doing things in my own power and it never works out, God. So I need your direction. Lord, I feel a fight back in my spirit from this. God, if you want me to preach something else, I need you to tell me. I need you to give me direction, Lord. I have no idea what these people need. God, I've heard prayer requests, and Lord, that's outward things. But God, we all got inward things, and I don't know what they really need tonight. God, only you know, so I pray that you direct us, God. Not here to impress nobody. Lord, I'm not here to get meetings. Lord, I'm not here to do a good job. Lord, I want to do your job. And whatever that's, whatever it's like tonight, God, I want you to do it, God. You want me to humble myself, Lord, and embarrass my flesh, God. If you want that tonight, we'll do it, God. I pray you'd help us, Lord. Give us direction and discernment. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78. The Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He had done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he had commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, 
that the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law. Look in verse number 40. How oft did they provoke Him in the wilderness and grieve Him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. Verse 56 says, Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not His testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. Three different times in this chapter, the Bible says, And they turned back. And they turned back. Seventy-two verses in this chapter. And three different times, the Bible says, And they turned back. I don't know about you, but since this pandemic, plandemic, whatever you want to call it, it's taken place, I've seen so many people turn back on the Lord. I've seen people that I put trust in. I've seen people that I thought were real Christians. I've seen people just drag up and walk away and turn back on the Lord. Tonight I'm not preaching against him for I know if it could be tomorrow by the grace of God that it could be Josh Adams. I understand how quick my flesh can get in a mess and mess up things. But I wrote this title down and I, I want to preach to you tonight for a little while on this subject. I've come too far to turn back now. I have come too far to turn back now. I don't know about you, but standing here yesterday, listen to my son preaching the raw power of God. Listen to me. Energize me to a greater degree to not turn back on God. I watched tonight as Brother Dean's two girls got up here and sang and were touched. I watched him, and I know what that does as a father to see God put his hand on your children. (laughs) Oh, it's a blessing, and I don't want to turn back on God. The Bible said the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. Anytime a battle was fought, it was always over ground. World War II was fought over ground. World War I was fought over ground. Anytime a battle was fought, it was over ground. And I want to say this tonight, we've come too far to turn back because I don't want to lose ground. We have lost ground in America. We have lost ground in America because we have lost ground in our homes. We have lost ground in our homes because we have lost ground in our churches. We have lost ground. I'm going to say a few things tonight. I'm not going to get on petty things, but I'm going to tell you something. We have lost ground. We have lost ground on our morals and standards and convictions. We've lost ground. They're a thing of the past. Lost ground. 
It's something that the old people do. We've lost ground. We've lost ground so much that we probably ain't going to be able to get much of it back. We've lost ground. I'm tired of going places and people looking at my wife like she's the oddball. I'm tired of preachers saying things like, well, sis, you ain't got to dress like that while you're here. No, sir, we don't dress like that just while we're here. Dress like that everywhere we go. Modesty's a thing of the past. We've lost ground. We've lost ground in America because of our fathers in the home. We've lost ground. Daddies ain't daddies no more. Hear men say, well, let me check with my wife. I ain't, listen, I ain't trying to be some bullheaded. Are you listening to me? My pastor, when I got married, said to me, to me, he said, son, God didn't take your wife from your head for her to rule. God didn't take her from your feet for you to trample on her. He said, God took her for your side for her to be your helpmate and draw up close to you. And I'm telling you, we have lost ground in America because of our daddies. I don't get mad at young people. I don't get mad at little girls for the way they dress. It's their daddy's fault. Where's their daddies? Can't speak for here because I don't know, but ball has taken over America. It's taken over our churches. Got a preacher friend, Brother Kerry Nelson in Mississippi. One of the young boys in his church is praying travel ball. He come up to you and said, Preacher, I'm not going to be able to be here Sunday. He said, we got a ball game. He said, let me tell you something, son. He said, won't you tell your coach what you just told your preacher? He said, won't you tell your coach I can't play ball because I got church? Why is it so easy for you to tell the preacher I can't come to preach? I can't come to church? I'm just trying to tell you, we've lost ground. And this is what, this is what impressed me about the verse right here. The Bible said they were armed and carrying bows. Which tells me they looked the part. They looked the part. Brother David, they, they looked like they should have looked. But when it come time to fight, they packed up and turned off. I got news for you. I'm telling you this. I done made up my mind whether I upset family, friends. I don't care. I am not going to lay down and play dead and let the devil take over my family. I'm telling you. People say to Noah... People tell Noah all the time, where's your iPhone? Listen, that's fine. You can do prescriptions. My, just for Josh Adams, I decided that I didn't want to get him a phone right now. I counsel with pastors all the time. 90% of the time it's with young people over this. And if you're adults, men will be honest, you better have some accountability on it too. I come in sometime, Miss Amber's going through my phone. Say, oh, what you been caught up in? No, what you caught up in? I'm trying to tell you, we've lost ground. I ain't just going to lay around and play dead. I thank God for my mom and dad. My daddy's a man's man. There's, he don't look like much to y'all if he's walking here tonight, but he's a man's man. He stands up for things that are right. Daddy said to me, I said, Daddy, I'm going to go home with them on church. He said, no, we ain't doing that. Just because they go to church don't mean your kids can hang out with them. Talk to me now. I said, well, Dad, he said, no, Dad, me. We don't ask no questions. I said, no. I thank God my dad stood. We had family. I said, my goodness, your kids are going to be little cookie-cutter little kids. Well, guess what? Now it's 20 years later, and all their kids are out in the world. 
alcoholics and drug addicts and babies out of wedlock. And I'm not knocking them. I'm just trying to tell you, I thank God my mom and daddy just didn't dress up and play the part. And when it come time to fight, they didn't walk off. Trying to tell you we're losing ground. We are losing ground, Brother King. We are losing it. Our home church is without a pastor. And Amber's dad stepped down after being there 19 years and a great legacy the Lord allowed him to build there. Just a man of God. Brother Reese knows him. Brother Dean knows him. Brother Ben knows him. A man of God. One that wouldn't... Listen, if he stood up and did this, that was like taking four laps around this tent. He was just a man that didn't get real high and didn't get real low, but he was a plow horse. He stayed his course. <laughs> he plowed a straight row. He's got five kids in full-time ministry. Stepped down and our church is... Has suffered like a living death since he stepped down, struggling with his health, and our church honored him. Boy, they honored him good. <laughs> and I believe you ought to take care of the man of God. A man give a decade, two decades of his life, they ought to do something for him. Brother Paul, our church is in a place and looking at a pastor and praying about a pastor, not it scares me to death, because I've seen places just go to pot. Go to pot. People want people want this new age excitement. Some people say, "Well, we just need a little fire in here." Same people don't come on Sunday night, Wednesday night. Never come to prayer meet. Never come to revival. But they want some fire. It scares me. We're losing ground. Twenty years ago, I wouldn't have never thought that even a church uh, like our church would even want to go that way. But I'm just telling. There's people. Listen to me. Enticing ears. We're losing ground. Got people looking the part. Got preachers looking the part. Somebody said a while back, if your preacher don't come, if you don't get in your car at least once a month and somebody get in the car and say, what's wrong with the preacher? Then you ain't got a real man of God. I'll tell you what's wrong with the preacher. Sin and hell. And the devil's been fighting. You have no idea what that man of God has to deal with. Oh, you may think you know. Just the pressure of his name being on the sign. And I thank God. I thank God for a man of God. I called mine yesterday and he's, he stepped down, but he's still my pastor. I called him and Brother Reese, he's, He's hurting. I talked to Brother Lamance. I was telling him about Amber's dad. Brother Lamance said, if I had to go a week without preaching or teaching, he said, it'd drive me nuts. And Amber's not in here, but you can ask Gant and Ashley at the table. Amber about lost it at the table because that's where daddy's at. <laughs> Listen to me. He's there. He's there, the devil's fighting him because you have no idea what that man of God stood for. And I'm just trying to tell you, we have lost ground. It's high time that we try to gain ground that we've allowed the devil to take over. The Bible said, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness, grieve him in the desert. Listen to this, they remembered, uh, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Listen to this. They remembered not his hand. <laughs> Somebody said a while back, my goodness, all y'all ever do is uh, brag about when the Lord saved you. That's what's wrong with you IFBs. That's what a guy told me the other day. 
I said, well, you have identified yourself real quick. I said they remembered not his hand. <laughs> I was reading and Spurgeon said this. They were turned to, uh, it said, the wilderness was a place of manifest dependence where the tribes were helpless without divine supplies. Yet they wounded the hand which fed them while it was in the act of feeding them. They wounded the hand that fed them. I wrote this down. We've come too far to turn back to not only not lose ground, but I don't want to limit God. I don't want to limit God. That old song, look what God has done for you. I don't want to limit God. Listen, the tires were a blessing today, but what I've got out of this meeting, the tires is just part of it. I don't mean that to downplay or to sound ungrateful. God was going to buy me tires whether y'all did it or not. And I'm not being ugly. I'm not being disrespectful. God was going to do it because that's His car. That ain't mine. When I worked for a company, they did the oil changes. They did the car tires. Are you listening to me? God was going to supply that. You missionaries worry about all that kind of stuff. God's going to take care of that. Coming in here getting a blessing, I'd have drove home on four spares if I had to. Are you listening to me? I don't want to limit the hand of God. I don't say this to pump that boy up because I promise you I'll, I'll knock him down. Are you listening to me? But what he testified yesterday about things that God give him. I don't want to turn back and limit the hand of God in their life. Are you listening to me? What's happened in our churches today is people have turned back years ago and didn't even realize they did it. Now they're reaping the repercussions of it. They didn't sell out. We've got some friends. Listen to me. Brother Reese said years ago it looked like everything was okay. And I'm not listening to me. Please. If you've had kids go astray and all that, I'm not knocking you. Listen to me. Adam and Eve was in a perfect place. And a perfect, they were perfect with a perfect father and they messed up. Are you listening to me? I'm not here to put you down, but I want to tell you something. There is some promises in the Word of God. And they hinge on our obedience. Got some friends that look like it and they were, they were turning back on some things. And now you can see the repercussions of it, Brother Reese, today. And they've limited the hand of God. Places that you should go in like this are not like it no more, Brother David. They've limited the hand of God. The Bible says that they were in a place of manifest dependence. They were wandering around the desert. They could not get fed if God did not feed them. The Bible said they provoked and tempted the most holy God. They bit the hand that was feeding them. Boy, you say, oh my goodness, shame on them. No, you don't understand. That's what we do. We limit the hand of God. I was thinking yesterday while Noah was preaching and Noah got to naming my daddy and my mama. Amber's daddy and her mama. Well, they paid the price. My daddy bought, fought battles that I don't have to fight. Are you listening to me? Kill giants, Brother Reese. I'll never have to go down into a valley and sling a slingshot because my daddy fought some battles. It's very evident your daddy fought some battles. 
<laughs> he overcomes some things that you don't have to fight. Are you listening to me? And because of that, God has not been limited in your life and now in your kids. I watched your kids sing last night. Your little girl testify. You have no idea how much that helped me. Watch your other daughter. And even though she didn't say nothing, her life is saying something. I love what Brother Lamont said. He said, be a witness and sometimes talk if you need to. Use words if you need to. See, the problem is there are a lot of people out there using words and ain't being a witness because their life ain't matching up with what they're doing. My old preacher said things like this. He said, let your talk talk loud. Let your walk talk louder than your talk talks. I got to thinking. I was sitting in the car a while ago. Preacher texted me and I, I really, I thought, Lord, just let Brother Dean preach. No offense. I, I just, I'd love to hear the man of God preach. And I was sitting in the car and I got to thinking about what Noah was talking about. Talking about the limiting hand of God. The only grandparents I got left is my mama's mom and daddy. So I called him, Papa. He said, well, hey, son. I said, hey, Papa. Told him about Noah getting to preach yesterday. and He got to crying. and said, oh, I wish I could have been there. He said, I sure am proud of you, son. And I said, Papa, I want to tell you something. I said, I thank God for the stand that you took. I said, Papa, today a church bought me a set of tires for a car. He's just weeping. He said, son, if I'd have known you needed tires, I said, you didn't need to know. God knew. I said, Papa, I want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Papa, for being faithful. He got to weeping. He said, son, I sit in this house. He said, I can't hardly go no more. He said, I go to church and it takes me two days to recover from that. He said, I got out there the other day and I'm going to try to change my brakes. And He said, your daddy had to come up here and help me put the tire back on. He, he said, I got the tire off and I sat on the ground. He said, I couldn't even have strength to pick up my arms. And He said, I just come in here and he said, the devil climbs on my shoulder. He said, I told your mama all. He said, I don't even know if we're going to church tonight. He said, just take so much out of me. He said, I heard your mama back there getting ready. And he said, if I'd normally do that, he said, she'll call your mama to pick her up on the way to church. He said, my phone rang. He said, I looked down. He said, he said, I don't know if you noticed or not. He said, but I'm getting ready. I'm going to go to church again. <laughs> Bless my heart. And I told him, I said, I want to thank you. For not turning back on God. And now you pass that to my mom. Drunkard, whoremonger, and God saved him. (laughs) You're listening to me. Now mom and dad, pass that to us. I want to pass that to Noah and Mallory and Jonah. I want to pass. I don't care about material things. But I want to pass that hand of God. Are you listening to me? I don't want to limit that hand. Because whether you want to believe it or not, we're in manifest dependence right now. Oh, I know we think we can take care of ourselves, but you let one thing come your way, you'll realize real quick that you can't do it. The next one says, the Bible says that they turned back, listen to me, and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. The Bible says that they were turned aside like a deceitful bow. Listen to this. Spurgeon, I was just reading 
It says they were turned aside like a deceitful bow, which not only fails to send the arrow towards the mark in a direct line, listen, but springs back to the archer's hurt and perhaps sends the arrow among his friends to serious injury. Like a deceitful bow, what happened is they turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. Listen to me. I wrote this down. Come too far to turn back. I don't want to lose ground. Brother David, if you could come play, if that's all right, preacher, help me wind down. Come too far to lose ground. I've come too far to limit God. I wrote this down. I've come too far to let down a generation. I watched this week and sometimes you think kids don't pick up on things. Probably my greatest fear in the ministry that the devil stays on my shoulder is the devil tells me your kids don't have a stable life and that's just where I'm at. It's where I feel. I try my best and we just be real in front of our kids. Are you listening to me? We'd be the same thing in front of you that we are in front of them. Just being real. But you wonder sometimes, do they get it? Do they? All kids are so different. Brother Gant, Miss Ashley's kind of their first big trip out. I know they've been on deputation a little while, but he quit his job first of April and they come out. And I watch my kids start to pick up on things. You do know that you have to train children. They just don't do it on their own. And I want to say something to you young parents in here tonight. Listen to me. You can train your kids to sit in church. Don't, don't lose me here. Talk to me. Listen to me. You can train your kids to sit in church. If they're bad, take them out, tear their hind end up, bring them back in. They can do it. They don't have to have an iPad. They don't have to have an iPhone. They don't even have to have a coloring book. You say, oh, brother, I'm telling you, you can train them. We done it on the road. Three kids, my wife, by herself, taught them to sit in church and be still. Now, I understand kids are going to be kids. But you can train them. And that's exactly what you have to do. You have to train them. You'll get out there and throw ball with them out in the yard, but you won't teach them how to be still in church. You listen to me. It's of a serious nature. I understand kids are going to be kids, and I ain't throwing rocks at anybody. But I told Brother Gant and Miss Ashley, and they've done a wonderful job with their children. I said, but them kids will cost you support. You're a pastor. you got a, a missionary that comes in. Their kids are ape raving crazy, running everywhere. You don't want to support them. Talk to me. reason why we're losing this next generation is because we're not training them. And so I say things like this. Brother Dean gets through preaching. I said, Noah, go grab his Bible. Go get his, go get his coat. And he's little. I started telling him, do that. That's the man of God to get to carry his Bible, to run to his car. I know you're not getting to play with the other kids. And now it's an automatic thing. Ask him. He'll come up. And not just for Brother Dean. Before a preacher asked Brother Dean, I asked for a babysitter the other night. Mallory had already picked up on where he was going. She then got up and started headed back there. 
You know why? We were out in a meeting out in Kansas, Brother Keys. There was a little family out there that had several young children. Boy, and the mama, they, they passed her in a little town. It's Brother Ben Myers' family. Blessing, pastor out in Colby, Kansas. She's struggling. I mean, she's struggling, boy. Them little kids, boy, was having her. And so Amber turned around. She said, sis, can I help with one of them? She said, oh, thank you. She said, Mallory, you get one. You listen to me. You have to train up a child in the way they should go. And I'll be honest with you, and I understand there's always, there's always exceptions to the rule. But a lot of the reason why we have lost this next generation because they have not been trained. They've not been trained. Brother, my heart breaks for you. You have no idea the burden that God has put on me now for your children. I mean that. And this is in no knock to you. I, 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 the devil's messing with my mind. This has nothing to do with what's going on in your life. I have a new burden. I prayed probably nine or ten times. Last night I woke up with a migraine. Bad. Sick migraine. And God put you on my heart. I told Amber this morning, I said, if Mallory was out on the streets and Noah was about to go to prison, I would lose my mind. And I've got a burden to pray for you. But even though now I've got that burden, I've got a burden to tell you other young couples to take a little harder stand. Because the devil's tricky. He's slimy. Well, he got traps out there. And I don't want to let down this next generation. I want to come to the battle equipped with my arm and bow. And when the devil and his demons come around, I want to start swinging my sword and shooting my arrows, Brother Paul. Because it's worth it. It's worth it. All you kids is different. I bragged on Noah a little bit and bragged on Mallory. And Jonah has, poor thing, he's blessed with my personality. He enjoys to see people laugh. And it's a little reward for Jonah. Noah's had it since he was little, Brother Reese. If, if an offering was going to be taken and he had a hundred, he's going to give a hundred. That's just Noah. By the way, one of the men of the church walked up before church and gave him a little card. Said, I listen to you preach. Here's your $200 to maybe put a few more things on your truck. <laughs> Me and him sat in the car over there as he read the letter and cried. Jonah's a giver. They take up an offering. Jonah's got a hundred. He's going to give twenty. And that's okay. That's okay. I told him one day he makes millions. Praise God. Help daddy out. Amen. Brother Dean, we're somewhere the other day. And Noah loves fishing, but Noah doesn't spend all his money and give it all away. And this guy had sold his bass boat and had all the rod and reels and all the tackle out of his bass boat from years. No joke, it was probably $6,000 worth of stuff. And so I wanted to pick and choose, but he wouldn't let me. And I thought, bro, ain't no way. I said, how much you take for all of it? Just curious. I love a deal. Talk to me now. He said, four fifty. I thought, man, that's good. I just didn't have it. 
And I was going to buy it for my boys. Jonah come over here. He said, Dad, no, I don't have no money because he gave all his away. He said, but I've, I've got that much money at home. He said, I'd like to buy that stuff for Noah. Are you listening to me? You not you teach, you train. They'll catch on. Don't try to make cookie cutters out of them. We was messing with Ashton today in the car. And it's all right. Everything the preachers told you is true. I ain't going to go into it with them, but it's all true. And it wasn't trying to make fun of you. It's trying to make something better out of you. I want you to be set apart. I want you to be different, son. God's picked you up off the knockdown track and out of your testimony. You said you put him back on the track. I got news for you. Right down the tracks, the devil's going to try to knock you off. And everything those men of God said to you today, I take heed. I try my best to follow what the men of God. God's put them in your life. Are you listening to me? And it's not that nobody's trying to be mean. Ain't not. Listen, we had a great time in there today. But I'd heed to their advice. You know why? Because Ashton, we've seen a lot of young men get put back on the tracks. Right down the road, they get knocked off again. You know why? Because they didn't heed to the instructions of the man of God. You got a special spirit on you, son. The devil wants to use. The devil wants what God knows you have the capability of doing. You listening to me? You young people singing this week, tonight, bless my heart. Chloe and Kendall, you have no idea how God uses your daddy across this country. You have no, only eternity. Only eternity. He got up walked off of the table just being your dad, quirky, funny, weird sometimes. <laughs> He's talking to all them men in the restaurant. And old brother Rusty Norris said, boy, that's God's man right there. Brother Dean, old gout self wobbled off like this. Huh? Those young girls will never know. Watch God reward y'all a little tonight. Get to sing at a camp meeting. I see y'all practicing and all those things. God, got something special for all you young ladies. Watch you sing. Pour out your heart. You don't have to go where the God brought your daddy from. But the devil sure wants you to go there. And I'm just trying to tell you, we've let down this next generation. And I feel like we've come too far. Brother James, we've come too far just to set back and play idle and let the devil walk in. And take over. I go to some churches, and I, I don't even know how to say this, but I go to some churches, and boy, they are just staunchy. They think they've arrived. And I get it from Brother Dean. I'll try that carnal to let them know that you ain't got to act like that. Amen. But I got some friends that are good guys. They're in North Mississippi, Brother Reese. And boy, they just, boy, trying to go that way. And I just made up my mind. I told Brother Dean, I said, thank you for giving me the courage to tell my friends what's right. Listen, if I, if I correct you, 
in a right way and you turn away, then we really weren't friends to begin with. So I just started telling Brother Reese, my God, are you just going to go on with the fly? I said, my preacher said any old dead fish can go downstream. Boy, but it takes a live one to swim upstream. I don't want to float downstream with all the dead things. Boy, I want to be lively. I want to swim upstream. Gant, we've come too far. We've come too far to turn back now. Just to lay down and play idle. I don't want to let my children down. Brother Dean said something at our prayer retreat in January with our missionaries. He said when he was a younger man and in the ministry, I forget exactly how the story went, but a hero had fallen. Come here, Jonah. I'm just going to tell it how I remembered. He can correct it later if he wants to. Come here, buddy. Don't you know for all these people, I love you, son. Thank God for you. <laughs> oh, I thank God for my children. Brother Dean said, I, my hero fell. It might have been somebody I was talking to, but a hero had fallen into sin, Brother Reese. And he said, I, they were a better Christian than me. They're a better preacher than me. He said, I don't want to fall. He said, that old man of God said, get on your knees, son. He said, now lay flat on your face. He said, now fall. (laughs) You can't fall when you're like that. And I catch myself, Brother Reese, you can get up, buddy. I catch myself saying, Lord, I don't want to fall. He said, well, lay down on your face. God, Jesus said that John was the greatest man born of woman. John said, I must decrease so that he can increase. I don't know about you, but I have made up my mind. I made up my mind that I'm not going to lay around and play dead. It's time for battle. I'm going to strap on my armor, the whole armor of God. I'm going to grab my sword. I'm going to grab my bow. And when it comes time to fight, bless God, we're going to fight. Because there's some things we're fighting for. I don't want to lose ground. I don't want to limit the hand of God. I don't want to let down a generation. Lord, thank you, God, for the Word of God tonight. Lord, preaching is a miracle, and so you're going to have to do, Lord, what the feeble preacher couldn't do tonight. (laughs) God, take your word. Help the people of God tonight. We love you. Thank you for liberty to preach. Thank you for this place. Help us in your
preacher tonight I told you he had a word <clears throat> there's multiple things that are going through my mind right now number one is faithfulness and I want to go back to daddy's real quick and I don't want to re-preach the message I couldn't if I tried I'm not exactly new to this Brother Reese, but I've learned that mamas and daddies will set the tone for their children. If mom and daddy is faithful, chances are, now there are exceptions. Brother Phil, Sister Brenda, there are exceptions. You'd agree with that. That child, though you may be faithful, they may stray. But the one thing that is nearly certain in my experience, mamas and daddies, if you're on the fence, your kids will be on the other side of it. 
If you're unfaithful, sometimes your kids likely will be unfaithful all the time. And we, and we, we, we've, for two years, we've made excuses. It's COVID. I'm so sick and tired of making excuses. It's time for excuses to be cast aside. If you're scared, sit in the back, but go to the house of God. If you're worried about catching something, wear your sheet around your face and go to the house of God. In one Sunday, out the next. In Sunday morning, out Sunday night. There's no question. You say, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be here. You're paid to be here. I say hogwash. My wife could sit at the house if she wanted to, Brother Reese. They could make some decisions themselves if they wanted to. But preacher, I'm the same way. I was saved when I was 12. My daddy was saved when he was 40. My mama was saved when she was in her late 30s. I wasn't raised in church from a little boy, so we had to learn it. And we limped through a lot. But the very first thing we learned was faithfulness to the house of God. And you folks that are saying, you folks that are, that are strapped, you've got your bow on. You're ready, you looked apart, but you're still in and out, in and out. Honey, what you're doing is you're not passing the baton to your little boy and your little girl. You're saying it's okay to stay at the house. It's okay to go to the ball game. It's okay just to lay around. No, 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 no. You'll make sure they're doing the right thing in school. You'll make sure that they're treating this person right and treating this person. Making sure that they're going to be respectful to mama. But what about God? What about God's house? Most of you have been in this a lot longer than I have. Kaylee sang it last night. Preacher mentioned it tonight. Tonight. If not for grace, we could all fall tomorrow. But I hope for my 16-year-old little girl and for my 12-year-old little girl that there's been some steadfastness. (laughs) Preacher. I hate to keep bringing this up. But preacher, if I stayed, if I, if I stayed just, I don't know, maybe one more Sunday, maybe one more year, I'd have lost my family. You say, well, there's no, no chance. You love one another too much. I'm not talking about there might have been a marriage separation spiritually. When you start walking that line, you start playing that balancing act. Go back to you. And you get back on track. It's not the engine only that has to get back on track. It's everybody else that you've derailed. And preacher, I like to derail my bride. And my 16 year old. 
and my 12-year-old. And every once in a while, something will come up. Why can't we do this? Because we're on the right track now. And it doesn't go that way. Good. We're not switching tracks anymore. Daddy's. I've submitted to his authority. He's a man of God. And I know it. All week long, preacher, I've, I've, I've told him, I, I want you kind of to, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna issue a call to you daddies tonight. I'm gonna issue a call to you husbands tonight. Get your wives or get your children. Come down to this altar. You might be on the wrong track. You need to get it right tonight. And you need to prepare yourself for an uphill battle. Because it's going to take a while for you to get everyone on track. If you're unfaithful, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down, you're away, then you're back and you're, you're high and you're low. You're on fire and then you're cold. How about you get in this altar, quit making some stinking excuses, get in this altar and get back on track tonight. Say, my children are adults. I can't do anything to help them anymore. I beg to differ. They may be out of your house. You can still get back on track and affect them. Sing, Brother David. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all To Him I freely
sing this chorus together. 